Okay, we're in uh, Kings 1, chapter 15. And we did the first eight verses where we discussed uh, King Aviam. And today we're going to discuss his son, Asa, King Asa, who becomes the next king of Judea. So it says in verse 9, and in the 20th year of Yeravam, king of Israel, Malach Asa al-Yehuda, Asa reigned over Judea. So we see that Yeravam ruled for 22 years, and Asa is ruling now on the back end of Yeravam's reign, the 20th year. That means Yeravam's rule actually coincided with the rule of three kings of Judea, uh, Rechavam, Aviam, and now Asa. So it says in verse uh, 10, shana Malach Yushalayim, he ruled for 41 years in Jerusalem. And the name of his mother was Macha, daughter of Avishalom. So first of all, 41 years, that's almost the time that David and Solomon ruled. That's even more. They ruled for 40 years. He rules for 41 years. And it says his mother's name was Macha, bat Avishalom. Now we know that's really not his mother. It's his grandmother. Because she was the mother of Aviam. But many times in scripture, when it says mother... It doesn't literally have to be the mother. It could be the grandmother. Like when it says son, the son of somebody. It doesn't have to be the son. It could be the grandson or a descendant of that person. Here too, we know that Macha was Asa's grandmother, but she might have had an active role in raising him because we know that Aviam, his father, only ruled for three years. So it could be that Asa ruled at a young age and he was righteous even though his grandmother here who's raising him is very very evil he was able to overcome that influence as we'll see in the next verses it says in verse 11 and Asa did what was right in the eyes of Hashem as David his father so this is a verse that shows he was on a higher level than Rachavam and his father Aviam because they were not completely like David here is kid David Aviv he was as David he was a righteous and pious king and now we'll see why. Verse 12. First of all, he abolished the Kedeshim from the land. So what a Kedeshim? A Kedesha in the negative form, in the uh, feminine form, a Kedesha is usually a female prostitute. So a Kedesh, in the, plural, in the plural masculine, it could be male prostitutes or it could be homosexuals or it could be just a general term of sexual immorality. All that he abolished from the land. What else did he do? Verse 12. He removed the idols asher asu avotav that his fathers had made. So we see that he's much more proactive than his fathers. We saw that his fathers had uh, let the stuff remain, the status quo remained. They didn't make changes. They didn't clean up house. And Asa now is cleaning up house. He's proactive in fixing up the kingdom of Judea, of its sins. Verse 13. He got rid of this evil grandmother of his from her post as queen mother, got rid of her. Now, why was she so bad? It says, What did she do? She made a mifletzet. A mifletzet in modern Hebrew is a monster. So we'll call, she made this monstrosity of an image for the Asherah. The Asherah was a, like a tree or it had a hint of sexual promiscuity it was kind of an idol worship around trees involved with sexual promiscuity. And it says this, this um, reflects it, this monstrous image. Rashi brings it from the Gomorrah in Avodazara 44 that it was this, um, this thing that she built was a uh, phallic symbol 
that she would copulate with it every day. Anyway, we're talking about something bizarre. And it says, asa, He uprooted it. it. This thing might have been welded into the ground or something. And he burnt it in the Kidron Valley, which, by the way, is the Yalacha, that anything that has to do with Avodah there's no benefit can be derived from it. What else did he do? Verse 14. Well, this is something he didn't do. He did not get rid of the Bamot. Now, the Bamot, Rashi is, is very long in this verse. He brings down something we've mentioned before. The Bamot were these private altars that were once permitted before the temple was built. Jews were allowed to sacrifice on these private altars in their backyards, on their rooftops. But once the temple was built... They were forbidden because God wants people to go to the temple to sacrifice. But because the Jewish people were still accustomed to these altars, it was difficult for the kings of Judea to get the Jews to quit their habit of it. And so this is like the only blemish on his record. Losaru is his rak levavasat. That was the only thing that he wasn't able to do. But everything else, his heart was complete with Hashem all his days. So we see a pretty good record here for Asa, King Asam, king of Judea, something else he did. Chapter, verse 15, He brought his father's holy things and his own holy things into the temple. Silver and gold vessels. Well, what are these things that he brought in? It could be that we know during the time of his grandfather, Rechavam, that Shishak, king of Egypt, plundered the temple, took the treasuries from the temple, and Rechavam might have hidden things or taken things from the temple into his house. And now we see his grandson, Asa, uh, King Asa is now restoring these consecrated items back into the temple. Verse 16, There was war between Asa and Basha, the king of Israel, all their days. So King Basha is the king of Israel after Yeruvam, and his reign coincided very much with the reign of King Asa, and they fought all the time, it says. Now, one of those confrontations we're going to now see in verse 17, the next verse. Vayal Basha Melech Israel al Yuda. So anyway, Basha, this king of Israel, comes against Judea. Vayavenet Ramah. He builds this high tower. So that the king of Judea, Asa, cannot enter or leave it. So, Basha now is declaring, let's say, a state of war. He's coming to the northern border of Judea and he builds this structure that prevents passageway. And it's obviously an act of hostility, a beginning of kind of a civil war here. And it says in verse 18, what does Asa do about it? It says the following, So Asa takes all the gold and silver that remained in the treasuries of the temple and the treasuries of his house and what does he do? He put it in the hands of his servants. He sends it through his servants, all this treasury, to Ben Hadad, who was the son of Tavrimon, Ben Chezion, who was the son of Chezion, Melech Aram, king of Aram. So he's bringing all these treasuries through his shlichim, as bribe money, we'll see, to the king of Aram, Hayoshev Bedamesek who is sitting in Damascus. And what's the message he now brings to the king of Damascus through his messages? Verse 19, that there's a treaty between me and you and between my father and your father. That is Asa saying that we go back, we have ties, 
And Hine Shalakti Lechashokad, Kesef Vizahav. And I am sending you a bribery of money and, and silver. Why? I want you to annul or abrogate your treaty with Basha, king of Israel. Apparently, there was already in place a treaty between King Basha and Aram. So a lot of politics being played here. And he wants, and uh, Asa is asking Aram, the king of Aram, Ben Hadad, to annul his treaty with Basha and get Basha off his back. Go there and attack Basha so that Basha will retreat from the kingdom of Judea. So, that's what Asa does. The question is, was that the right thing to do for Asa to ask the Gentile nation for help in his conflict with the, with the uh, kingdom of Israel get, to get him involved in this civil war? We're going to have to see later on if that was the right or just thing to do in Hashem's eyes. What happens in verse 20? Well, the king of uh, Aram, ben Adad, he's only happy to oblige. And what does he do? He sends his army out. So, what does he do, ben They strike these cities in the kingdom of Israel, Dan and the northern part of Israel, the Kinneret area, the land of Naphtali, the Tiberias area, all that area, ben starts to uh, attack. And when Basha hears that, he has to go and help out his kingdom. He's, he's being attacked. So, the king of Aram, coming from the north, doesn't have to face Basha head-to-head. All he does is attack the cities, and that's enough to stop Basha. And that's what verse 21 says, Vayi kishmo Basha. And when Basha heard this, he stopped building his structure there, and he goes back to Tirzah. So it, the, the plan works. Basha uh, has to retreat from his, uh, f- from his attack upon Judea, and he has to protect the cities in his kingdom. So we're going to again look at that and see if, even though the plan worked, was it the right thing to do? Another uh, uh, thing happens, verse 22, the next, So Asa now, he proclaims to call of Judea, which means nobody is exempt, that they carry the stones of this Rama that Basha had built, all the material that he had used, so they take those materials, it becomes like a construction site there, and they build up Geva Binyamin, which today, by the way, is the, sh- the settlement of Adam. It's the northern, uh, north Jerusalem. It's also the, the border between the Israel kingdom and the Judea kingdom. He builds that up with the materials, but interesting that in, in the Gomorrah, in Sota, page 10, uh, Asa is criticized, King Asa is criticized for conscripting all of Israel to participate in this building because he said, Ennaki, without exemption, which means that he also drafted the Torah scholars and the Chatan and the Kala, the brides and the grooms, and they're exempt from war if it's uh, not a war that's a survival war. And this was not an obligatory war. This was not a Milchemet Mitzvah. After all, Basha it doesn't pose a threat anymore and yet he he asked everybody who he he demanded without exception that everybody come and work and therefore he's punished for that any any case that's how we pretty much end uh end in the book of kings describing melech asa we have a couple more verses which where we sign off on him a few more things are written but let's now stop here in the book of kings and go to chronicles because chronicles again is going to give us a much more complete picture 
of Asa. As a matter of fact, being that he ruled for 41 years, there's a lot to write about him, especially in his righteous and pious deeds that he did. Now, I'm not going to read the three chapters that are written about him in Chronicles 2. We have, though, chapter 14, chapter 15, and 16 all deal with Asa. And I'm going to take some of the highlights of each chapter. So we're going to try to get a complete picture of what happened during the reign of Asa. So in chapter 14 of Chronicles 2, it talks about this amazing war that Asa had against Zerach the African or the Ethiopian. It, is, it explains here that Asa takes his army, leading the army, by the way, teaching us that the kings of Judea and Israel always fought the wars and led their troops in battle. So Asa, besides being incredibly pious, was a great warrior. And he has this war against Zerach the Ethiopian who had a million men and 300 chariots. That's what the narrative explains here in Chronicles 2, chapter 14. Amazing war here. And what's also interesting is the pep talk, the motivational speech that Asa gives his troops and his prayer that he says here. And he says in, in verse 10 that he called out and he said, Hashem, that ain't od milvado, that there's nothing like you, that you can help us, even if the biggest underdog in the world. That's what he says in his prayer. It doesn't matter how much of an underdog we are. Hashem, you can give us the victory because we are depending on you. In Hebrew it says, We've depended on you and we're coming in your name. Now, when you come in Hashem's name, He's got to help you because He doesn't want there to be a desecration of His name. So by invoking the name of Hashem, Asa is asking Hashem to deliver the victory and that's what happens. Hashem does deliver a a fantastic victory in, in Verse 11, he strikes the Ethiopians before Asa and they chase down the Africans all the way to the south of Israel and we have a tremendous victory. And all this is for a reason. This is all being mentioned for a reason. I'm going to get to it later on. Verse chapter 15, we have also a lot of the great deeds of Asa. What I wanted to mention here in verse 8 is that it says that many people Parts of Israel, Ephraim and Menashe, those tribes, and Shimon, who dwelt in the kingdom of Israel, actually defected to the kingdom of Asa, to the kingdom of Judea, when they saw that Hashem was with Asa, and he, he was righteous and successful. We see a moving over, a defection of people of the kingdom of Israel to King Asa. Very interesting. We'll come back to that later. And in chapter 16, which is the last chapter which discusses Asa, it's basically a repeat of the war with Basha. When Basha built the, uh, the, uh, the Ramah, that tower, and Asa turns to the king of Aram to get help from the king of Aram, gives him the treasuries of the temple and so forth. That almost word for word is repeated here in Chronicles. But there's an addition though. In Chronicles, to open up the story about Basha's attack, it says the following. I'm in chapter 16, verse 1 in Chronicles 2. In the 36th year of Asa's reign, Basha, king of Israel, attacked, attacked Judea and built up the Ramah. Now, the time frame wasn't mentioned when it happened in the book of Kings. Here we, say, here we see it happened in the 36th year of Asa. Basha did this. Now, there's one problem with that. Basha wasn't around in the 36th year of Asa. Asa ruled for 41 years. But by the 36th year, 
Basha was long gone. His son only ruled in Asa's 26th year. That is, Basha was gone in the 26th year of Asa. So how could it be that the Chronicles tell us that in the 36th year of Asa's reign, Basha attacked Judea? It cannot be chronologically. So what's happening here? Could it be that the Devreya Mim here, Chronicle, is making a mistake? So we're going to try to solve that problem. And one important addition in Chronicles, which kind of solves the, the riddle, if um, Asa did right by turning to the nations, by turning to the king of Aram to help him in his fight against Basha, we're going to get the answer to that question in verse 7 in chapter 16. It says that Hanani the seer came to Asa king of Judah and said to him, because you have relied on the king of Aram and you did not rely on Hashem, your God, therefore the army of the Aram will slip out of your hands. So we see here that Hashem is clearly rebuking Asa for not having faith and relying on the king of Aram in his conflict with King Basha, king of Israel. A clear chastisement about that. He should have relied on Hashem. And it goes on, the, uh, the uh, rebukement. Behold, the Ethiopians and the Libyans. So now we see it wasn't just Zerach from Cush. There were Lubim, Libyans also fighting Asa. That, hey, we're this immense army with many chariots. And there you relied on Hashem. He delivered them into our hands. So that's why we mentioned the war with, uh, with uh, Ethiopia in chapter 14 because that showed us that Asa had bitachon in Hashem and he had faith and he went to war against a million Africans. Then why didn't you do it here? Why in the conflict with Basha did you lack? Why did you regress in your faith in God? That's what the prophet is telling him now and we see here that indeed faith in bitachon is a difficult, difficult test many times. Asa had great faith against Zerach, king of Africa, but against Basha, he suddenly turned to Aram. And so, yeah, sure, it's, it's a test all the time. And you can never, even Asa, the great Asa, righteous as he was, sinned in this area of Bitachon and Emunah. Now, let's go now back to the original question on chapter, beginning of chapter 16. What is this 36th year of Asa that Basha comes along? There is no such animal in the 36th year of Asa, Basha wasn't the king anymore. He was 10 years removed from being king. Could it be that Chronicles made some, of a mist- made some kind of a mistake here, numer- numerically? No. It's coming to teach us a tremendous lesson. And I'm going to refer now to Kings 1, chapter 11. Kings 1, chapter 11, we have a verse where Hashem is telling Yerovam that he will be the new king of the 10 tribes, and he is punishing the seed of David, but not forever. That is, the split will not be forever. And now Rashi explains from the Midrash that what does it mean, that the split was not supposed to be forever, but it was supposed to be for 36 years. That's all the split was supposed to be. Why? As a measure for measure punishment for the 36 years that Solomon was married to the daughter of Paro, that Solomon married the daughter of Paro in his fourth year, and he ruled for 40 years, so he's married to her for 36 years. And so therefore, the split was also supposed to be for 36 years. And what is the 36 years? When does that come out? It comes out to Asa's rule. The 16th year of Asa's reign is 36 years of the split. How do we know? Because the split began with Rechavam, 
who ruled for 17 years. After him was Aviyam, who ruled for three years. That's 20. And in the 16th year of Asa, this, the unity, the reunification of the tribes was, was supposed to occur, that all the tribes would be under the Davidic dynasty once again. There would be a restoration of the kingdom. But why, did not, why that did not happen? Because Asa failed to have faith in Hashem. He failed when he went to Aram and bribed them to fight, to have Aram fight his fight against King Basha. He was lacking the faith in Bitochon and because of that sin, the 36 years became an, an, an eternity that we know the 10 tribes never came back and they remained split. The split remained between the two kingdoms right through the book, right through the Bible, but it was supposed to come back in the 36th year. That's why... In our book in Chronicles, in chapter 16, in the 36th year of Asa's reign, that means that was the 36th year of the split, not of Asa's reign. It was the 16th year of Asa's reign. But 36 years into the split, the unification was supposed to happen. And it was happening. That's why we saw the, the amazing victories of Asa against Zerach, king of Africa. That's why we saw a, a, the, um, the tribes of Manasseh and Ephraim defecting Two, the kingdom of Judea, we see that unification is in the air, that the, the time was ripe for a restoration of the kingdom, but for not, it did not happen because of the sin of Asa relying on the king of Aram in his battle against Basha. And now it all makes sense because why did the split happen in the first place? Because Solomon, when he married Batparo, he didn't marry her for romantic reasons. And he wasn't punished because she converted. She was allowed to convert, even though it wasn't a glad kosher conversion. We saw that back then. That wasn't enough of sin to cause a split in the kingdom. But he married her because he was relying on the nations. He felt he needed an ally in Paro, the superpower of his time. He felt he needed to stabilize his kingdom. He needed this ally. And so he married the daughter of Paro. And he was punished for that. And so we see Asa is really sinning along the same lines. It's the same sin. He felt he needed to rely on the Gentile instead of going at himself to fight the fight. And therefore, because he continued that same sin, the split in the kingdom continues until the next 150 years, until the 10 tribes are exiled. So we see that all that is hinted in Chronicles chapter uh, Chronicles 2, chapter 16, where it says, in the 36th year. Again, the kingdom was supposed to be restored but it does not happen. What a lesson to be learned here because we um, can learn tremendous lessons about uh, Hashkafa and Judaism and Bitachon and Emunah and Hashem through the Bible here because you're not going to get this lesson uh, from the Gomorrah or from Halacha or Mishnah of Bitachon and Emunah and the, and the uh, prohibition of relying on flesh and blood and how it becomes such a dangerous thing to, to the Jewish kingdom by relying on man and not on Hashem. Only through the scripture, through these stories in the Bible, how we see it's a common thread throughout the Bible where those who relied on the Gentiles or the nations were punished and those who relied on Hashem, on Hashem were rewarded. Something that's such an important lesson for us. And that's why, let's, let's finish off the story of Asa, that it says that he became uh, ill later on this is mentioned also in Chronicles and also in Kings, that he became ill in his legs in the, late, in the later years of his reign and he did not seek 
Hashem, but he only seeked the doctors. Now, what's that all about? He became ill in his legs. Well, first of all, we saw the verse that Asa chased down the Africans. He chased them down. He had great legs. He was a warrior. So measure for measure, he was weakened in his legs. But the Ralbag says he was weakened in his legs. He was punished in his legs. And by the way, some say he had gout, which is a very, very painful illness in his legs. And the Ralbag says that it was measure for measure because he didn't use his legs to fight Basha. He says, you should go out and you should fight Basha. What are you going to the king of Aram for? Go out yourself and fight him. So therefore, he was stricken in his legs. Again, we're talking about the measure-for-measure punishment Asa uh, received for his relying on the nations. And by not turning to the, uh, by, to Hashem, but turning to the doctors, we again see a problem of uh, relying on flesh and blood and not on the Almighty. A similar uh, problem with Asa, and of course, this is later on, in, in, in Holy was a tremendous king, a great, pious, and righteous king, but we know that Bitechon and Emona, it's a difficult test, and it's hard to pass it on every every single time, and that's one of the lessons here of King Asa.